One of the biggest question marks hanging over farming in Whatcom County and a lot of other places in this state, but we're dealing with Whatcom County right now. One of the biggest question marks, uncertainty that hangs over farming is water. Will there be enough water available or uh, allowed to be used by farming to, to continue? And this is not just, is there enough water to, to you know keep plants growing to some degree or another, but whether or not plants can grow and how easily they grow and what, what costs they grow can make or break a farm operation economically. Yeah, you know, there's some pretty tough numbers that we're looking at right now as far as, you know, dairy farming in Whatcom County. Just looking at a graph here with the, the break-even number. People are averaging 500, 900 in some cases, several hundreds of dollars per cow of money lost over the last couple of years. We're not even talking break even. So that, that that's kind of the background narrative here with, with farming in Whatcom County. We talk about this a lot, and it, it's really scary here, honestly, with some of the numbers we've crunched of late uh, to see just how rough it has been and hoping for things to turn around. Uh, but water and the uncertainty around water, another big question mark that uh, is looming on the horizon, especially as there's more and more effort to look at water use and potentially restrict water use and and what what could happen at the same time we're seeing stuff what seeing what's happening with the orcas and with the salmon particularly the king salmon the chinook and the dwindling numbers and how to recover those and and how do how do these two issues connect and and farming wants to show leadership in the issue of of recovering fish and protecting fish and the streams here that we farm near that these fish live in and rely on so joining me on the program somebody i haven't talked with on the radio for a few years and 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 somebody honestly people might be asking well why are you talking with this guy we're, ta we're talking with eric hurst um somebody that people have felt maybe wasn't super friendly towards farming what's let's just start off eric what's your thought on what's going on with farming right now and and its place in whatcom county what, what, let's just in terms of background what do you think about the the future of farming here in our community well i'm concerned about the economic problems that you mentioned dylan i don't know anything about them so i don't have anything yeah. to contribute on that but i think uh i like most people in bellingham would very much like farming to remain in whatcom county and not just remain and survive but thrive i think a healthy agricultural community is essential to uh, the future of the county just as it was to the past socially culturally economically uh, in a lot of ways so farming is important to you you say uh, amongst other things obviously fish are very important to you uh, what, what, what are your priorities as, as you now i guess in your retirement years after many years of being a, a engineer uh, in East Tennessee, and then moving out here to the West Coast, and and you've been very involved in the last several years in not only studying in the science side of of water supply, and and how that relates to recovering fish, but then also uh, the legal issues, litigation. You, you, this, folks, if you're listening, this is the Eric Hurst of the Hurst case. You weren't the only um, person who brought that case forward. It just happened you were first alphabetically, right? That's, a, that's right. A, that's how right. it ended up having yeah. your name on. I think there were what five or six others. 
Well, let's stick to agriculture for in, in, in the in the Hearst case. So I'm just mentioning this because this is people are aware of this background and t- talking about this. Um, and and so what I, I'm the reason I'm bringing this up is you. What what are your what are your biggest priorities and and how do you make all this stuff fit? Well, Dylan, I think you summarized it very well a couple of minutes ago. That farmers use a lot of water, especially in the summer, and the fish need water also. And there's a dilemma um, and a potential conflict, and it's almost certain to get worse for two factors. Population's growing, more and more people are moving to Whatcom County, and more important, uh, the adverse effects of climate change are increasingly apparent, uh, both in terms of increased demand because of higher summer air temperatures and lower summer rainfall, which means that we've got a lot more demand for irrigation. Mm-hmm. Homes, golf courses, farms, and the supply is also down because glaciers are shrinking. They've shrunk 30% in the North Cascades over the last three decades. We have less snow. The snow melts earlier in the season. So instead of storing the water until the summer when we really need it, it runs up earlier, so that means stream flows are lower. But I think a key part of the solution, a way out of this dilemma, would be to focus on water use efficiency. Mm-hmm. In the past, when we've talked about solving these problems, we tended to focus on either storage or increased supply. And I think both of those are very important. We need to pursue that. But we really haven't paid much attention to efficiency. And um, that's sort of the drum I've been beating lately, partly because, uh, as you mentioned, my work as an engineer at the mm-hmm. National Laboratory in Tennessee focused on energy efficiency. And I've seen over the last 40 years what a dramatic difference uh, energy efficiency could make in solving energy problems. <clears throat> so uh, what what do we need to do here? I mean, this is something that people have been talking a lot about and doing a lot of things about. Um, I'm bouncing off of a letter to the editor you had in uh, published in the Linden Tribune a couple of months ago, which is on this exact topic. What are you suggesting needs to be done uh, just to catch people up to speed on, on what you had to say in this letter? Well, I think we need to improve the efficiency of water use across all sectors, residential, commercial, industrial, and agriculture. Agriculture, I believe, offers the most potential because it is the largest user during the summer months when stream flows are the lowest and most critical. But as people like Fred Lickel and Henry Birling point out to me, and they are correct, there are some features of state water law that make it difficult for farmers to improve the efficiency of their operations. I'm talking in particular about something called relinquishment, mm-hmm. which says that if you do not use all the water that to which you are entitled uh, over a five-year period, the State Department of Ecology is required to take it away from you. Well, no one wants to give up a property right, and so farmers are understandably reluctant to improve efficiency if it's going to put that water right at risk. Now, happily, uh, ecology has not been doing that, but it could. So I think part of the solution here is to get the farmers and the tribes to work together and figure out a way to eliminate uh, this relinquishment obstacle. See, I, 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 think, I, I think we need to, to, to flesh this out further. This is an important point that you're bringing up, and certainly a point where the farming community, or at least the, the, the leadership involved in water issues in particular with the Ag Water Board and the watershed improvement districts below it, and, and some of the other voices from agriculture ha- have been saying for many years. So it's encouraging to hear a, a voice like yourself um, chiming in on this because this relinquishment rule, as, as some call it, or, or the use it or lose it idea, um, as we've just been talking about here, really is not, it's not just not an incentive 
to pursue for farmers to pursue efficiency measures, if that makes sense. It's a disincentive. Right. It's it is actually incentivizing not being efficient, which is really really frustrating because really that's not what farmers want to do anyway. It's not good for their bottom line. Period. To not be as efficient with water, and they want to do some more creative things with improving their efficiency, with better managing water. And, and that's what you're describing. You're not saying that overall on the whole, and, and we've talked about this, you and I, before. I know you've talked about this in many other interviews and other articles and pieces and letters to the editor. It's not an issue of not having a total uh, overall lack of water. It's about managing. It's about when we have the water and how we're managing it. Farmers want to do better at that, and this is one of the main things standing in the way of that. So what do we, what do, we do about that, that issue? What, what, what are your thoughts here? Dylan, I, I think you're right. Uh, my sense is that historically, uh, some legislators, for example, Vince Pies, have introduced into the state legislature what you might call the naked, naked relinquishment bill, one that eliminates this relinquishment problem, but it doesn't offer anything to the environmental community. More important, it doesn't offer anything to the tribes. That's why I said earlier, I think the key to a solution here is for the farmers to sit down with the tribes. In our case, say uh, people from the Ag Water Board, the Watershed Improvement Districts, Whatcom Family Farmers, and perhaps others meeting with the Nooksack uh, Indian Tribe, the Lummi uh, Nation, and trying to work out some kind of compromise in which the farmers would get relief from relinquishment and return the tribes would get uh, greater in-stream flows. One possibility uh, would be for the farmers to agree that water that would otherwise be relinquishment would come in part back to them they would still have that water right, but in part, it would go into in-stream flows. Now, I'm not the one to figure out how this should be solved. That would right. be up to the tribes and the farmers. But I have to believe that a solution would be possible. And I also believe that if the tribes and the farmers could agree and went to the legislature, no one would oppose it. You know, it would be a slam dunk getting it approved. So what's what's standing in the politically, I guess, to a certain degree? This is a political question, I suppose. Um, what's standing in the way of, of something like this happening? Uh, as you pointed out, Dylan, I was an engineer. I don't really know anything about politics. To me, that's completely <laughs> baffling. I, I think I'm. Yeah. I think I'm. I'm good at the policy, not at the politics. If I had to guess, <clears throat> I would say it was caution that both the tribes and the farmers are maybe too cautious about trying to approach each other and see if they can't figure something out. But to be honest, I don't know. Well, and I, and I can't speak for anyone more than myself, but my sense is that a lot of folks in, in the farming community right now are ready for this discussion and ready to deal with this relinquishment thing. Honestly, part of the reason would be is it could help them actually have an incentive, actually be encouraged to actually get some benefit for themselves for being more efficient. Which, I agree. Which, and, and, well, you know, right now they are doing, and, and that was honestly... Honestly, you know, I, I saw your letter to the editor again a couple of months ago in the Tribune. We're talking with Eric Hurst right now. Um, a lot of people know him as the Hurst from the Hurst case. We're talking about really a bigger water issue altogether than exempt wells and, and rural development and all that. That's part of the picture. That's part of the background here. But we're talking about senior water rights. We're talking about how much water do the tribes and do fish get? How much water does farming get? How do we really work out these big issues here in our community? And, you know, looking at your letter in, in the newspaper, on one hand, I was really encouraged, Eric, because I, I see a lot of room for a ton of common ground with some of the things you're advocating for. 
honestly, I was a bit frustrated by maybe the approach a bit, and I want to talk about that. But let, let's talk about the, the common ground here. You have ideas, you have things that, that you think can be done. Relinquishment is a big thing. A lot of these things that you're suggesting are already happening. And, and honestly, I'll just say this from the farming community, I know farmers are, are cautious about even letting anybody know that they're being more efficient because of yeah. the relinquishment rule. Right. I mean, how twisted <laughs> and backward is that? I agree. Look, let, let's put aside relinquishment. I think we've covered that. Sure. Let me talk about what I think could happen and should happen and would happen if we eliminated uh, relinquishment in yeah. the agricultural irrigation sector. I think the biggest potential benefit would be improvements in irrigation scheduling. Troy Peters and others from Washington State University have de developed a, an automated internet-based uh, scheduling system that uses weather forecasts and it sits on your smartphone that gives you a seven-day irrigation scheduling system. Troy has estimated that that would save about 10%. And there's no capital investment there. The farmers would have to learn how to use the system, but my sense is it's not very difficult. A similar study was done in California and that one uh, increased ag yields by 8%, and it reduced water use by 13%. So it increased farm productivity by 23%, which certainly would be an enormous economic benefit. So if you can improve the quality of your scheduling so that it's timed much better, you're not only going to save water, but you're also going to improve the, the quality and the amount of yield you get from your crops. So I'll ask you this question. Of those kinds of things, and you have some other suggestions, I know, and I want to talk about all of your suggestions for water efficiency. What is actually going on on, on, on farms right now with regard to being more efficient with water? What, what's your level of awareness of some of the things that are going on? My level of awareness is probably pretty limited, and my guess is it's because of what you said, that because of relinquishment, the farmers are not eager to publicize their success. And I think that's really a pity. There's an effort through the Extension Service in Skagit County, uh, headed by Don uh, McMoran. Don McMoran, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, to, to, to actually test out and document the kinds of savings that occur when you use this WSU scheduling system. And I know he's got a lot of farms in Skagit County, and he's been looking for farms in Whatcom County, but I don't know whether he's found farms. But this is a three-year project. I think this is the third year. Mm -hmm. So sometime this fall, they're going to come out with a report which will document uh, what I was just claiming, that this could save 10% or maybe even more. And I think at that point we'll know a lot more. <clears throat> Talking with Eric Hurst, this is Dylan Honkoop here on The Farming Show on KGMI News Talk 790. For talking with Eric Hurst, you know we're talking about water, and that's one of the biggest, hairiest, most controversial and complicated issues in Whatcom County, yet sometimes maybe the solutions aren't so complicated at all. And we're maybe finding some, some common ground here with Eric. We're talking about how this use-it-or-lose-it uh, state water law is actually disincentivizing folks uh, from from being more efficient or or doing things that lead to efficiency or pu publicizing them at least, um, and, and I think you're on target with your understanding of that. That's I guess what maybe rubs the the farming community a little bit the wrong way when they read a letter like yours, your letter to the editor I'm referencing in the Tribune a couple of months ago, because a lot of the stuff that you're talking about is already happening. Um, and, and that's why I ask about your level of awareness of it, because if it comes across as, Hey, you farmers, you need to be doing all this stuff. And they're saying, well, gosh, we're already doing this. 
um, that can feel uh, like a disconnect to them. That, wh yeah. why, why would they? It, it can feel condescending potentially. So, well, is there I, a different way to go about talking about this? Well, I apologize if my letter appeared condescending. That was definitely not my intent. I would turn it around, Dylan, and ask, "How is someone like me supposed to know what the farmers are doing that's beneficial? To, to what extent does?" the Ag Water Board or Whatcom Family Farmers or the mm -hmm. individual uh, WIDS Watershed Improvement District, to what extent do they publicize the things that they're doing? How is the public going to know the good things that farmers are doing? Actually, one of the things we're working on is a big story for our real campaign. I don't know if you're aware of our real campaign, but real environmental action and leadership, highlighting the environmental actions and and areas where farming has taken leadership on these issues. And and water efficiency is one of the things that we will be highlighting. Hopefully, this summer, if everything well, that would be uh, great. we want to do more of that, we think more of that story needs to be told. Again, part of the answer is something we've already talked about, which is there's a disincentive to even talk about it because for fear of a farm. You know, they're saying, well, okay, you've been, you've good, good for you. You've used less water, so we're going to take that away from you. And then now, please use even less. Yeah, Why would yeah. someone want to do that? But I think we've already, like you said, covered that uh, at depth. But you, you have studied these issues quite extensively as far as water law and studies that have been done in the Nooksack Basin and Wairua One for these issues. What, what kind of research have you done as far as what's happening with the farms in Whatcom County? Perhaps this is something where your ability to research uh, could benefit even the stories that we're trying to tell as Whatcom Family Farmers to find out the, the efficiency measures that are already being undertaken. I think that's important, not just for farmers to toot their own horn, but for, for farmers to feel like somebody cares because that really is one of the ingredients here that can keep this kind of work going. If farmers feel like nobody cares or the work that they're doing isn't recognized, um, on, on the other hand, that can be a disincentive too. to be like, gosh, we've poured tons of money into this. We're barely getting by. And then folks, you know, uh, on the other side of this spectrum are calling for us to be more efficient and they don't even know that we are, you know, what, what can we do on that? And what, what kind well, of research I, I could you do in that regard? Well, I don't think it's a research issue. I think it's a communications issue, Dylan. And what I do is I periodically reach out to Henry Beerlink, who's uh, administrator for the Ag Water Board, and I talk to uh, Fred Lickel, and uh, they know of my interest in this, and they also know of my willingness to help them in any yeah. way I can. So I think well, but I've I'll challenge you. I'll challenge you on this, though, Eric. There are quite a few farmers who have been very public about this. How many of those farms have you visited and talked with them about this issue? I think there are quite a few folks that you might be able to have conversations with. Well, maybe when we're through this conversation, you could tell me who they are, and I'll reach out and, and contact those people, because I may not know them all. Okay. Um, I primarily work through uh, Henry and Fred, and mm -hmm. probably not enough with individual farmers. I know a few, Marty Mayberry and Greg Eby mm -hmm. in particular, but I'm sure there's several others doing good work that I don't know. Yeah, Part and, of the issue and, and Marty and and uh, Greg are are really great leaders in the farming community with regard to the, this issue too. I know this is a huge passion for them, water efficiency, and between the two of them and the other farmers that are working with them, especially you know over in the Bertrand watershed, there they have been able to save a huge amount of water uh, that's no longer being pulled from our streams. Uh, for one, that's a yep. that's another issue that we haven't really addressed is moving more and more water off of surface water withdrawals, pumping from a stream, pumping to from groundwater again, uh, which is can be uh, much uh, less impactful to to in stream flows. 
Uh, I agree. I, you know, you you sort of challenged me, Dylan, to make an effort and reach yeah. out to farmers. Sure. But it needs to go both ways. Yeah. It wouldn't hurt if Fred or Henry or other farmers occasionally reached out to me. And that doesn't happen. It never happens. Uh, it's always me trying to contact a, a farmer or a farmer representative and usually having to make two, three, four inquiries before I actually mm-hmm. get through. I want to raise another uh, big issue. The state legislature gave $4 million to ecology in this year's budget for uh, agricultural irrigation efficiency. Ecology passed that to the State Conservation Commission, and uh, the Whatcom Conservation uh, District is working on some proposals on ag efficiency, and there's, I hope, a reasonably good chance for funding. So it seems like this is, this is a good time for farmers to get more active and more public in this area. In addition, the county, uh, Whatcom County, uh, put $50,000 in its budget for this year on efficiency, and uh, folks in the Natural Resources Division of the county are working uh, with the Conservation District on a proposal, a project, uh, to improve ag uh, irrigation efficiency. So there are a number of forces coming together that suggest now is really a good time to ramp up these efforts and publicize them, as you mentioned, Dylan. Well, I, I think that's an important part of the recipe. Um I'm sorry that maybe people haven't been super excited to talk to you in some cases. I will also say, though, it it is known that you're someone that is out promoting things like metering and other things, you know, potential for even taxation of water and things like that. That makes people pretty nervous as well um, when they know some of these things like this that would not be nearly as harmful as metering and taxation to the overall goals could be pursued. I guess, you know, if somebody's packing heat, it it makes makes you a little more nervous to to chat, you know? What what are your thoughts on some of those issues that you have talked about in the past as far as the potential for metering water and some of these things that really, um, honestly, have been a turnoff to people in farming who are like, whoa, this is is a lot more extreme than than what we think we're able to tackle? Yeah, I don't think it's fair to say I'm not going to talk to you unless you agree with me on every issue that's no, before no. us. No, and, and I'm not suggesting that either. Well, it sounds like you are. I mean, sure, I've got my views, but I think mm-hmm. I'm a very good, careful listener. And uh, what I want to do is engage in conversations, discussions, particularly with people who disagree with me. If they agree with me, we're not going to do anything. We'll just agree. So I think it's actually very healthy to reach out to and talk with people who have different views than you have. Well, and I know um, that you, I know that you are good at that. So I, I don't want to say that I'm not aware of that. But wouldn't well, you say you. that someone who has been known to take these issues to the the state supreme court is certainly someone you want to be a little bit more careful talking to than than your average Joe because you are very knowledgeable and and very involved in this issue and you've proven that you will take action on these issues. I think that's a benefit. I think people should yeah. want to talk to me. I mean, Dylan, I'm a 75-year-old retiree. You know, this mm-hmm. is my end game. I'm not a, a threat to anybody right. uh, in any sense. Uh, I want to talk about metering. Uh, I'm not sure why the farmers view that as a threat. There is a 2003 state law, the municipal water law, that requires every water utility in the state to meter every one of its customers. So I had to pay the equivalent of $1,000 to the city of Bellingham to put in a water meter. What's the problem? Our our electricity use is metered. Our natural Mm -hmm. gas use is metered. Our internet use is metered. Uh, Google knows everything you do and Amazon on, on the internet. So, I mean, our lives are monitored and measured all kinds of ways. 
well, what I mean, you, you know that the, the, you know that the concern about metering is taxation then of water, right? Or or pay, having to pay money per gallon of water used. And that's well, part I of the concern when, especially you know, that's extra scary to the farming community when things are already so tight that a, an additional cost like that could put somebody right over the edge. Well, I personally think those are two separate issues. I mean, it's true. Well, you could tax uh, ag water use now on the basis of water rights. Uh, you don't have mm-hmm. to meter in order to put a fee or a tax on, on water. So I, I, I think that this concern about taxation mm-hmm. is a bit of a smokescreen. And to be honest, I don't understand why people are so opposed to metering. Since we do it for every residential, commercial, and industrial use in the state, and, and like I said before, pretty much our entire lives are being very carefully monitored and, and recorded yeah. And as a point of discussion, I say, yeah, let's talk about it. But you can certainly understand where for some people that that's a conversation ender right there. And, and maybe they aren't ready to talk beyond yeah. if, if, if that's a part of the conversation. But it doesn't mean that they won't necessarily want to talk about some of these other things that you're talking about that, that they feel can be done or they are already doing. Well, I think that would be great. And you're right. We don't have to talk about everything. Uh, I mean, we could leave some topics, at least initially, out of bounds. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, this conversation between you and me, Dylan, suggests that there is common ground on relinquishment and there is common ground on improving ag water use efficiency. Yeah. Well, that's that's big enough uh, to keep us busy for a while. Let's, let's try to make progress there. What, what's that going to do? Um, and I'm ste- stepping back to the even big, bigger picture, though. What's that going to do for, for fish? How is this? Uh, how, what kind of an impact is this going to make on stream flows? And then, you know, again, stream flows are still only a means to an end. Is protecting particularly Chinook salmon and other species as well. How big of a dent can we even make here? I, I don't know. That's a good question. The, the numbers that I suggested from WSU in California suggest on the order of 10% without any capital investment. My guess is as we begin to improve efficiency and document its successes, we'll find more and more ways to save uh, water, just as we did in the energy efficiency arena. Mm-hmm. You know, initially, you know, we made some improvements in, in lighting by switching from incandescent to fluorescent, and then it was compact fluorescence, and now it's LEDs. <laughs> so if you look over the last few decades, there's been incredible changes because you start developing some new technologies, and then you develop additional ones. Uh, another possibility for uh, water use efficiency is soil moisture sensors. Uh, you know, these devices you stick in the soil and they tell you how much moisture there is, and that can help guide when it's appropriate to irrigate because you don't want to irrigate if the soil is already at the proper level of moisture. But if it's not, then you do want to irrigate. Well, and, and this is, and just to give you more background of why I'm asking this question, you're talking about potential 10% gain, and that, that's moving the dial, so to speak. But my, I guess I'm a little bit skeptical about that number because is that uh, potential for improvement, if we want to call it that, based on uh, an assumption that none of these efficiency measures are already taking place? For instance, you talk about you know the use of erometers measuring the 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 uh, moisture in soil. That's commonplace on a lot of farms across this county. That's already you know been in use for decades. So I don't know how much of, you know, how many more farms could be encouraged to do that? Maybe some? I I don't know. Um, Those who aren't doing that are already probably shooting themselves in the foot as far as economic efficiency. And that's something else you pointed out. And some of these other measures as well, you know, a lot of this stuff is already being done. So I guess I wonder how much is there left to gain? I'm not saying that there's none, but can we have 
a significant impact yet. And, and that's why I guess I'm, I'm throwing out that challenge. And let's look at really what is being done now so we can see realistically what is the potential for further impact by these kinds of measures. Well, I think until the farmers, perhaps with the conservation district, uh, better document what they're already doing and the technologies that they're currently deploying, there's no way an outsider like me can answer your question. You raise a good question, uh, Dylan. To the extent that these things are being done, the potential for future savings is reduced. But I have no idea, and there's no way that I could know. It would be up to you know some government agency or somebody like the Conservation District to survey farmers right. or sample farmers and find out. Probably something that should be done. And and again, that's to bring in the political side of it, and and you're saying that that's not really your area as much, and I I totally understand that. But you know, people get nervous. Then, well, what what is the reason you want to know all about what I'm doing with my water? What is the what is the plan here? Um, you know, people well, think people get people get nervous because they are already on the edge, barely making things work right now. Yeah. Well. Yes, people are nervous, but I think we have to recognize that water is no longer an abundant uh, resource. It is a scarce resource, and it needs to be uh, managed that way. And you mentioned some of the supply projects that they're doing, particularly in Bertrand Creek. I think those are great. What I'm saying is we need a broader portfolio. The portfolio needs to include not just supply projects, not just storage projects, but also projects that look at how we use water, yeah. you know, in the homes, you know, we've got to have more efficient uh, low-flow shower heads, uh, high-efficiency washing machines. In every sector of the economy, we can do better. And it's most important in agriculture because irrigation uses water in the summer. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to something you originally said, because you're, you're saying now that the water, water is a scarce resource, but that doesn't jive with what you've said earlier, which is that we have enough water... It's just when we have it. So the, it's, a, it, it's about timing more than it is about total quantity of the water that we have, correct? I agree, but that's a semantic difference. You know, it, it's sort of like saying, you know, we've got enough money in Whatcom County to send every kid to four-year college. Right. Yeah, but it's not evenly distributed among the parents of the kids who would go to college. There are probably a lot of people who have enough money, but they don't have kids in college or something mm-hmm. like So that, that kind of statement doesn't really help well, address the real world issue. But that's where I think a statement like there's a water scarcity problem also doesn't indicate what our real solutions can be, which is we need to better store water as well. Aquifers, and, and I know you mentioned, you've mentioned in some of your papers in the past some of the potential, um, they continue to do testing on some of these deeper aquifers below the surface aquifers that we use. That could potentially be a, uh, an improvement to um, the whole system, if you want to talk about it at that level, the amount of water that we have available uh, for the various uses, including fish and stream flows and farming and everything else. Um, and, and there are, are questions also with, you know, who has all these water rights in, you know, the city of Bellingham has a right to a lot of water dating back to the days of GP and, and the yeah. diversion dam up on the middle fork and, and what's the scoop with all of that and, and what, what are or aren't those water rights being used for and what is the appropriate use for them? So I don't think scarcity by, and I think you're agreeing with this, isn't, isn't necessarily the right word to use here. It's management. I, I sort of agree, but by the way, the, the mention Bellingham's water right. We need to be clear that there's a difference between paper water, you know, the water right you have, yep. and how much water we actually have. And one of the problems throughout the West is that 
we've over-appropriated rivers, particularly mm-hmm. on the Colorado River, where we've given away more, more water than we actually have. So just because the city of Bellingham has this huge water right up on the middle fork of the Nooksack doesn't mean that we actually have water in the creeks. And I absolutely agree with it. But there are a lot of people who have, I think, a false assumption or perception that our water use has gotten out of control in recent years when in reality, not that we don't have a management issue and not that we don't need to be careful and protect stream flows for fish, but at the same time, I don't know if we're using nearly as, and and you might have a better idea of these numbers, Eric. We're talking with Eric Hurst right now, by the way, here on the Farming Show, and and how water issues, which he's versed, very well versed in, and has done a ton of research, and has, you know, issued quite a few uh, white papers and and uh, thoughts out there into the, you know, to stir the pot, even if you want to say to get discussion going on what to do about the water issues in our community. Um, You know, water use from from what i can see is certainly in the agricultural realm not anywhere close to being leaps and bounds above where it was 20 40 60 years ago um in fact it's probably stayed fairly constant if not gone down a bit um so So how do you know that without without metering Uh, how do you know that water use over the last well, 10, 20, we, 40 years has I, I gone down or up? I, again, I can't give you specific gallons, but we know the number of acres being farmed in this county. We know the kinds of crops that are being farmed in this county and the co- kind of water that those crops tend to require or tend to get uh, based on the, the historical methods. And we know that those methods have continued to improve with thousands of acres of Raspberries, for instance, farmed for different kinds of crops previously with overhead irrigation have moved to uh, drip irrigation, which is, you know, 10 times more efficient, different things like that. It's hard to see agriculture using significantly more water than it has for some time. I'm not saying that that makes everything good, um, but it, it also doesn't mean that we should have this impression that suddenly in the past 10 or 20 years, water use has, has gone out of control. I, I agree. I don't think it's a sudden phenomenon. I think it's something that's been creeping up on us, and it's made worse, as I said earlier, by population growth and by uh, the effects of climate change, which we're already seeing. If you look at the last 20, 30, 40 years in terms of stream flow and summer rainfall and uh, summer air temperatures and glacier mass, they're all going in the wrong direction in terms of increasing demand for water in the summer and uh, reducing the supply of water in the summer. So, yeah, it's not a sudden crisis, but it's definitely a worsening problem. So what do we do? I mean, we're, and we're running short on time here on, on the program. Well, but we, we, where where, where we do we get started on this? Because these are big, big things and things that people have talked about, but no one's really been able to make some of this stuff happen yet. Well, I think to two things that uh, you and I talked about, Dylan, are solving the relinquishment problem and then really moving on uh, irrigation efficiency. And like I said, I think the timing is good. I think the opportunities to work with the tribes and find a solution and funding from both the county and the state uh, for agricultural irrigation efficiency suggests now is really a time to get started in a serious way on that. Do you I'd have, be glad to help out. Do you have any thoughts on how to start, though, even to, to bring more specifics here? I, I don't know. I, who... who who needs to come together and, and, and why haven't people come to, you know, I guess that's where it starts to get into the political realm, right? Which yeah, again, I, you I, said I, is not really your baby. Yeah, I, I think you need to talk to people like Henry Beerlink and Fred Glickel and others who are, are, are agricultural leaders and also their tribal counterparts, you know, who the people who had the natural resources departments in the two tribes and, you know, see what, what things they say. 
that's that's really outside my scope. <laughs> yeah, for above sure. my pay grade is it? Well, it's above my pay grade too. I'm just a I I'm a guy. I'm a middleman. I just try to pass information from people who are smart to everybody else, <laughs> and that's why I have a lot of different people and different perspectives on this program talking about this issue. Eric Hurst, uh, again, a lot of people familiar with the name. Yes, it's the same Eric Hurst from the Hurst decision, but we're not talking about the Hurst decision per se today. We're talking about farming and water use and fish and tribal rights uh, and what a solution could be. It sounds like we found some common ground here, Eric. That's that's encouraging to me. Let's Good. see let's see where we can urge this community that we have here to to move forward on something like this. That would be terrific. Thank you thanks for your time lot, today. Dylan. I appreciate it. I appreciate it also. Uh, thanks a lot, Dylan.